Well, good evening once again. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at New City. If I have not met you before, I look forward to meeting you. And if you're online, I look forward to meeting you in person at some point as well. If you have a Bible at home or you brought your Bible with you tonight, let me invite you to go to a new book for us um, that will be in just tonight, which is the book of Isaiah, and head to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to camp out in the first few verses of Isaiah chapter 6 tonight. And tonight's going to be a little bit different uh, of a sermon. I see many of you have a CBR with you, and that's kind of part of the direction that we are headed. Um, Tonight's sermon is essentially entitled, How to Read Your Bible. How to read your Bible. Um, As I have shared with um, many of you in in sermons in the past, I became a Christian um, when I was about 16 years old. Um, That happened in high school. That happened in the famous city of Fremont, Nebraska. And um, in that moment, my life forever changed. Um, But one of the things that happened very soon after I gave my life to Christ is I had a volunteer youth leader who uh, came to me, challenged me, and said, you know, now that you have given your life to Jesus, you need to have a relationship with him. You need to have a daily relationship with him. And one of the ways that that happens is you open the Bible and hear from God's word on a daily basis. You listen to him in the scripture and you can talk to him in prayer. Um, And so he handed me a journal And it was a Bible reading journal. It had sort of a Bible reading plan for me to go through. And uh, he said, let's, you take this and we'll get together about once a week and we can talk about what you've been reading and what you've been learning and how your prayer times have been going. And um, I said, okay. Um, In my heart, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Um, I don't have time for that. I'm I'm not doing that. Um, But he kept after me, and he pursued me, and by God's grace, despite my initial resistance, hesitancy, um, I began to to see some change. I'm forever thankful to Carrie Farrington, um, who was just a youth group dad, a faithful youth group dad, and an elder at our little tiny PCA church out in Omaha, Nebraska, Um, But what he did in challenging me to have a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis changed the complete trajectory of my life as a believer. Um, He showed me not only how, the nuts and bolts of how to read my Bible, um, but he showed me why I should read my Bible. Um, Thinking about, you know, just all of us, who is it then that should be reading? Um, Again, as a teenager, For me, this was a life-altering shift. And the reason that it was a life-altering shift is not because I was too busy. I was 16. I had all the time in the world. The reason is that Jesus wanted to be Lord of my life instead of me. Um, But that old heart, that old man within me still wanted to kind of be in control. Kind of wanted to be in charge and, and call the shots. And what Jesus was calling me to was to say, take yourself off the throne of your life and me on it. And so that was a pretty radical change that began to take place. Um, For some of you tonight, this may be something new where God might even begin to stir in your heart and say, today or this week or this year, I want to commit myself to submitting myself to God's Word and reading and hearing what God has to say on a daily basis. For others of us, maybe this is not new. 
right? For many of us in this room, it is not new. I've known about the Word. I've read the Word of God before. Maybe I've read, I've read through the whole Bible before. But there's still that sense in which we can become sometimes apathetic. There's that sense in which we can become disconnected from God's Word. And we just need, we need a refresh. Um, and I, I hope that that is what tonight is for us. If you know your football history, back in 1961, uh, one of the greatest football coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi, his team, the Green Bay Packers, had just lost the championship game. Wasn't called the Super Bowl yet, but they had just lost the championship game. And the beginning of that new season in 1961, he stood before a room of professional football players who had just come one game shy of winning the whole thing. And he looked at them and he said, gentlemen... This is a football. What was he doing? These guys knew what they were doing. They were professional football players. They'd almost won the championship. But what he was saying in that moment when he looked at them and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. He was saying, we've got to go back to the basics. We've got to return to executing the fundamentals or else nothing else will matter. And I think when we think about God's word and we think about believers who maybe you've been in church your whole life and you've been in and around the word, the scripture reminds us to come back to the basics, the fundamentals of the faith. If we want to succeed, for them it was succeeding in football. For us, it's succeeding in following Jesus and being a part of his mission here on earth. So what are we going to do? There are a number of great ways to read the Scripture. Um, And some of you may already have just a fantastic way that you are daily in God's Word. You're reading, you're responding in prayer, and there's a season of what we call personal worship taking place in your life on a consistent basis. Um, But at the same time, let me say that here at New City, what we have done from the beginning is this thing called Community Bible Reading, or CBR for short— It's not the only way to do it, but it is a great way to do it because it calls us on a daily basis to meet God and his word, but it also provides an avenue for us to do it together and to grow in God's word together. Um, Let me come back to to that word personal worship because that may or may not be a new term. Um, Many of us have grown up hearing words like, you know, when I open my, my Bible, I'm having devotions or I'm having my quiet time, or I'm having time alone with God. And those are all very valid descriptions. I find the term personal worship to be very helpful because when you meet with God, it's a personal thing. It's you and God, but it's worship. Because as you open the word and you hear from God, and as you pray and you speak back to him, the reality is that we should be knocked off our socks every single time we come encounter with the living, powerful, holy God of love and grace and truth. So it's personal worship that is taking place. So just a working definition on the screen behind me is daily relationship with God, where he talks to you in his word and you talk to him in prayer. So if I say personal worship, that's what I mean. Um, With the the community Bible reading or CBR, the way that it's set up is you have one Old Testament chapter and one New Testament chapter that you read every day, Monday through Friday. And then Saturday, today, you have a chapter from the Psalms, which is from the Old Testament. And then on Sunday, the idea is that you reflect on the sermon scripture that you would have just heard or when we return to Sundays that you'll hear that same day. And going on that pace, you read the entire New Testament every year. And you read through the Old Testament, which is just longer, every three years. Um, The way that the CBR is set up, 
and, and some of you have experienced this before, is it basically breaks it into four movements. And whether you're doing community Bible reading or you are doing any number of ways of reading the Scripture, I would encourage you to think in terms of these four movements as you're engaging God in personal worship. And so these four movements are this. Number one, surrender through prayer. Just begin by talking to God. Number two, listen to the Scriptures. You read them, you listen to them. It is God's Word, so it is God's voice. What does God want me to do? What is God's direction? What is God's leading? What's God's truth? Listen to the Scriptures. Number three, pray through your pen. And this may be the most foreign for some of us, but there is power in picking up pen and paper in the digital age. And if you want to do it on a touch screen, that's fine as well. If you want to type it out, that's great too. But pray through your pen. So what you are speaking to God, you're also writing on the page. And number four, prepare for gospel community. And that's where the idea of me and God turns into we and God. So when? Talked about who? Talked a little bit about how? What about when? Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you that the the single most important thing that you're going to do is spend time with God and His Word every single day. So make it the first thing. When I was in college, I experimented for a number of years by doing my devotional time at the end of the day, and the reality was that I didn't. (laughs) I would intend to. I had all the best in mind, but I just didn't. But if it's the most important thing in our day, that means before we open up our computer screen, before we check into social media, before we go to our to-do list, Um, Before we start the other conversations of the day that may be very important conversations, before we go to work, before we go to school, we talk to God and we listen to Him. And if you're a parent, let me admonish you to teach your kids of any age how to do that. And the best way to do that is to do it with them. So open your Bible or open your Jesus Storybook Bible or open that devotional or open the CBR in front of those kids and pray with them and read with them and talk about what is God teaching us in the Word. The world is teaching them all kinds of things. They are drinking from sewers that you don't even know exist all day. Teach them how to drink from the fount of living water. Why? Well, you and I, we need it. Speaking of water and clean and dirty water, right? if I don't take a shower for a week, I will stink, right? (laughs) If I don't eat for a week, I am going to be incredibly hungry. If I don't drink water for a week, I'm going to be incredibly dead. If I don't speak to my wife for a week, I'm going to be living on the roof or worse. In all those realities, there is a massive consequence and it messes up my life if I'm not taking in on the daily what I need. So why would we not approach the living word from the living God in the same way? How do we expect to handle the challenges that we face? And there are many challenges. How do we expect to pour into others and love others well and speak well to others? How do we expect to disciple others? How do we expect to remain faithful or even believe the truth if we're not being filled up by the Word of God. And and I say this out of love to you, and this is a reminder for myself as well. In those moments when you feel like God is silent, don't say that God is silent when your Bible is closed. Because if we think about it, what's going on here? What's going on is the God of the universe 
has made himself known personally in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in the Word and has said, here is everything that you need for life and godliness, says the Scripture. God has made himself available 24-7 that we can pray and call upon him and he will answer us. He has made those promises. Uh, 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen? Okay, so if you have a CBR page, I sent out the CBR page, or if you've got an actual CBR book, let me invite you to pull that out tonight. We're going to use that. So pull that out now. If you need a pen, there are pens there in the back. If you need a pen at home, you're on your own. Um, Let's go to number one, surrender through prayer. I don't know what what happened this week for you. I don't know what happened, you know, an hour ago. I don't know what it looked like for you to get here, what the craziness looked like. But the beauty of this is you just stop and take a breath and talk to God. I'm going to give you um, about 30 seconds. Take out your pen if you've got one and just write, even as you pray, just one sentence. Lord, here's where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. But tonight, as I open your word, I want to hear from you. I want to be transformed by you. So take a minute, you talk to God, and then in a few seconds, I will open us now in, in a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a father. You are a heavenly father. You are good and you are loving. And Lord, I need you and we need you. We thank you that you speak to us. And and God, would you give us eyes and ears now to, to see and to hear. Father, would you transform us? Give us hope. Give us life in your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Number two, let's listen to the scriptures. Tonight, we are looking at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. This this opening passage, verses 1 through 8 in chapter 6, actually is a phenomenal way to walk through the idea that I'm going to walk you through next. And so it's it's the perfect passage. I love this passage. It's a really well-known passage of scripture as well. Let's listen to the scripture beginning in chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. 
And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Again, I chose this passage because it helps us walk through this next section. Now we come to this third movement, which is praying through your pen. And in the third movement, there are four more parts, right? We've got four and another four. Don't be confused. When we pray through our pen, and this is not original to community Bible reading, I don't know how many years and generations this goes back, but when I was a kid, even before I was a believer, I learned ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication, which is a really long word that means prayer because we needed an S. Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. By show of hands, I've heard of Acts before. Okay, cool. So you know where we're headed. So now begins the sermon, but I promise it won't go that long. Here's our four things that we're going to do as we go through the scripture. Number one, we need a daily refresh in adoration. We see this in verses one through four. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. This is the experience, guys, of of reading the Word of God and seeing God's attributes and His actions on display and responding in amazement, which is what Isaiah does, which is what the seraphim do, and responding in worship. So the prophet Isaiah here is having this heavenly vision of God. It's this amazing moment, and he sees God the way that He is even now. God is on a throne. Sometimes we feel like the world is chaos. Sometimes we're not sure who's in charge, but Isaiah reminds us that God is on a throne, that he's king, that he's high, and that he's lifted up. And then he sees this crazy, funky, heavenly creature that's called a seraphim. And among other things, this thing is covering his face and his feet. And if you remember, that's exactly what Moses and Elijah did last week when they experienced the holiness and in some safe sense, the power of God. And they sing. They describe God over and over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And God's glory, even when we face crazy times, fills the earth. And it fills all of heaven, says Isaiah here. When I open my Bible, it changes me. When I open my Bible in the morning and I read it, and I hear about who God is and his actions and his attributes in the world— Um, I become less angry. I become less frustrated. I become less fearful. I become less hopeless. And I tend to become a little bit less impatient. And the way that I speak to God and the way that I speak to others begins to change because I read God's word and I get encouraged. Right? It reminds me who I have on my side. Um, Instead of looking at my problems, which is incredibly easy to do, I look at my hope. And it changes everything. It changes my perspective and it changes who I am on the inside because I see my Father. And I see a Father who is loving and grace-filled and powerful and truthful. This is adoration. And as I read through that passage, I'm writing down those exact words, those exact ideas, the attributes and the actions, just the things that stood out to me. Worship, and pray through your pen. So on Thursday this week uh, was Nehemiah chapter 9, was the Old Testament uh, passage. And and this, this adoration thing just jumped off the page at me because Nehemiah is talking about God and he says, God, you made heaven and earth. 
I need to remember that sometimes. It says, you performed signs and wonders. You freed us from slavery in Egypt. I wrote that down. I thought about that. I prayed about that. And then I came to Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, and which it was everything I needed to hear when it said, you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Adoration. Number two, we need a daily refresh in confession. And we see this here in verse 5. And I'm going to read this one again. This is Isaiah. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The bad news of the gospel right here on display. Once again, I and you, believe it or not, are sinners. All of us are sinners. And the experience of God's glory leads me, gives me the humility and the freedom to admit that I'm a sinner, that I don't know everything, that what I said was wrong, that the way that I acted was wrong, the thing that I believed was wrong, and that I need his mercy. I need his grace. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And it's encouraging to me that Isaiah is writing this. and He's like, woe is me. That seems pretty intense. I'm undone. I'm an unclean man. But Isaiah is a Christian. Isaiah is a believer in God. He's a follower of God. And he's doing a pretty good job in a culture that absolutely hates God. And yet he confesses. That should be an encouragement to us that we can follow along because what what happened for Isaiah was he saw God in a fresh way. He adored God and it led him to freely admit that he was messed up and that his culture, God's people, were messed up. You know what the Word of God also does here in this moment of confession, what it does for us is it destroys moral relativism. We live in a culture that is relativistic, that it says, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me, and you can't tell me what to do, and I'm going to live the way I want to live, and there are no rules except for my rules, but don't apply your rules or God's rules to me because I do what I want to do. But the Word of God says otherwise. Isaiah sees that sin is real in his life. He sees that sin in his community is real, And because he has an objective, eternal standard of truth in the God of the Bible, it leads him to admit that he's messed up. It's a freeing thing. You know, and we hear the word confession. I want to be super clear. This is not confession like we see or or maybe we've heard of or even experienced in the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, when one confesses to a priest, you are speaking to a fellow human being, another man, who is sinful just like you, who has no ability to fix your sin problem. The Bible says Jesus himself is your only mediator. He's your only go-between. He's your only priest. He's the great high priest. He's your only advocate, and we can speak directly to him, which is speaking to God. We don't have to go through anybody else when we just admit, God, I messed up. I've made a mistake. So when I open my Bible, I'm reminded that God is holy, and that without his grace, I'm really not. (laughs) 
Sometimes you see it through Bible characters, and you see these Bible characters, and they're doing these amazing things. They're incredibly faithful, and you go, man, God, my life doesn't match the faith of that man or woman in Scripture. And you can confess, Lord, I I wish that I was faithful like I see this person. But then the opposite happens way more often, which is you read a Bible character, and you see their flaws and their mistakes and their failures, and you see how they blow it on a daily basis. That's what we saw with Elijah, the, the greatest Old Testament prophet of all time. And you look at that, and you go, man, I see myself in his story. I see myself in, in her story, and I can admit to God that I need his grace. I'm also reminded that I'm messed up just like everybody else. As Christians, we can become prideful and we need to constantly come back to, I'm no better than anyone else and we all need Jesus. Amen? And I'm reminded that confession is freedom because I can speak directly to the God of the universe. I can be honest about how I've sinned. I can be honest about how I'm struggling in that day and I know that God hears my prayer and I know that God brings grace and he brings growth. That the Holy Spirit has given me a new life and that I've been given by his power the ability now to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. Number three, we need a refresh in thanksgiving. And this is where it begins to to come full circle. Adoration at who God is and what he does. Confession of what I'm not. And then thanksgiving. If, if confession is sort of the bad news of the gospel message, and this is very clearly the good news of the gospel message, Isaiah knows he can't join in the song of the seraphim on his own because he himself is not holy, but God provides a burning coal, and burning coals, among other things, purify whatever it is that they touch. It refines it by fire. This was a coal from the altar of atonement. And we talked about the word atone last week, that atone means to pay for and to bring back into relationship with. And so this coal cleansed his lips, his guilt, his sin was removed in that moment by the gracious work of God. Isaiah did not fix it. God fixed his sin problem. His sins were paid for, they were atoned for. And this even in the Old Testament is a gospel message. So if you ask Jesus to be your savior, even tonight, what will he do? Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago, and then he rose from the dead, conquering sin, Satan, and death. And when he did that, his blood was poured out, and his death cleanses us from our sin. His death and new life gives us new life, and the way that we receive it is simply by faith in trusting him. It's as simple as a prayer, God, I've heard the good news in your word and I'm asking that you would forgive me. I'm asking that you would replace my sinfulness with hope and new life. And and God, I know I'm going to continue to make mistakes. I know I'm a man of unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips. But God, would you forgive me and give me new life? When I remember the gospel, guys, when I open my Bible and I remember the gospel, it makes me thankful. It makes me thankful for his grace makes me thankful for his mercy. When we open our Bible, we remember the gospel. And I don't know about you, but I need that every single day. I need the gospel to remind me when I don't do my CBR reading that I wasn't earning God's favor in the first place. I wasn't earning my salvation by checking a box. 
but rather Jesus checked the ultimate box when he died on the cross to pay for all of my sin, all of my apathy, all of my brokenness, all of my anger. That's what the world needs to hear. Amen? Not only does that message need to go out, but sometimes the message just needs to be refreshed in here, meaning in our church, in the church, capital C, and in our hearts. I read probably what has been one of the more disturbing articles in a season of disturbing articles this week, Um, and it was a Gospel Coalition article. It was a a fellow who's on staff at a church named Joe Carter, and he wrote the title of the article, and this kind of explains it, is, Majority of American Christians Don't Believe the Gospel. Keyword, Christians. Majority of American Christians don't believe the gospel. He wrote this, uh, a survey conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found that American adults today increasingly adopt a salvation-can-be-earned perspective. 48% of adults believe that if a person is generally good and, and does enough good things during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. Only 33% of adults believe they will go to heaven solely because of confessing their sins and embracing Jesus as their Savior. Brothers and sisters, understand that you will only go to heaven because you have confessed your sins to Jesus Christ and he has done for you what you can never do yourself. But what this is telling us is that people are not understanding that. Another one in five expecting to experience heaven are counting on earning their way in or because they embrace universalism, which is that God will let all people into heaven. Based on age groups, just 20% of people 18 to 29, 20% of the next generation believe that when they die, they will go to heaven only because they have confessed their sins and have accepted Jesus as their Savior. 20% of the college, young adult, the workforce going out in, in this survey of Christians believe that salvation is by Jesus' work on their behalf. Is a lie from the pit of hell. Open your Bible, believer, and hear the truth and be reminded of the truth that Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. Fourth and finally, we need a daily refresh and supplication. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Again, supplication is just a really cool word that means prayer Act puh doesn't sound good, so it went with acts s supplication. So here we are, the last verse of Isaiah, and what we see now Isaiah doing is after he's heard from and seen God, he starts to talk. And he talks in in a new way, in in a different way. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord, which is what we do when we read the scripture. I heard the voice of the Lord, verse eight, saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's God speaking. Then I said, Isaiah, here am I, send me. Here am I is his opening prayer, send me. The first thing that Isaiah does in responding to God's word is he prays and he prays, God, whatever you're doing in the world, that's what I want to be a part of. Whatever your will is, that's my will. You are king and I am not. So what you want to do, that's what I want to do with my life. Guys, when I open my Bible, I notice that it changes the way that I pray. When I begin, when I'm back at step one, usually my attitude is way more about me and what I think I need and what I think I want. But after I have listened to the scripture and after I have prayed through my 
pen, after I've begun by surrendering in prayer, it changes my prayers. It frees me from self-help mode. I can't do it. I need Jesus. And it frees me from self-lordship mode. I know better than God. When I read the Scripture, I'm reminded I don't know better than God. Uh, Two weeks ago, we were finishing out the the Gospel of John in the CBR. That was the New Testament uh, reading at the time. And John 15, which I've read before, and I'm sure you have too. And I've heard this verse before, but John 15, 5 just jumped off the page for me as I was beginning this time of, of prayer because John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus is speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. Thank God it's not the other way around. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it was such a joy to read that final statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God's not asking me in any way, shape, or form to be apart from him. He's calling me daily back into the vine, reminding me that by his grace and his mercy, by Jesus' death and resurrection, I'm attached, I'm tied in to the vine. And what that does is it makes me more ready to pray. It makes me more ready to pray for myself, but it makes me more ready to pray for others. It makes me more ready to pray for my family, to pray for my church, to pray for you all, to pray for our city, that people in our city would come to know Jesus, the true vine. It helps me pray for the world and not just hear things or read an article, but to begin to own those things and say, God, I know the most important, the most powerful thing I can do is begin by praying and then say, God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to love and serve or disciple and lead and care for? What can I do in your name? And God answers those prayers. God always answers. He answers better than we can ask. Sometimes he answers the way that we don't want him to answer, but he always answers better than we can even ask. Fourth, and very simply, we've done ACTS Back to the the bigger picture, the four movements. At the very end, there is one sentence there at the bottom of your page, and it says, prepare for gospel community. Prepare for gospel community. The CBR journal was designed to guide you into, into a deeper relationship with God through the Word and a deeper relationship with one another as believers in the Word together. So the question is simply, how has God spoken to you the most through your time of personal worship? One sentence, and that one sentence can be the very thing that you share in a discipleship group, in a a discipleship relationship where you're investing in them and they're investing in you and everything is centered on Jesus. Next week, the sermon is going to be, how do I be and make disciples? So let's keep going. Let's take a minute and let's pray together.